Several weeks ago, we had a chance to get started in this text of Romans chapter 12, and we dealt with the mind, and we saw how we are to have a transformed mind. It's a renewed mind, something that, well, it's not natural. It's not from within ourselves. It's something that God begins to do inside of us. And the more we're in the Word, the more we're in prayer, the more we see Christ, the more we're going to start changing the way we think. Now, if we're going to develop ourselves to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to develop Christians here in this ministry to be servants for Christ, then it can't stay the way it is. We, we can't. And you say, well, preacher, I'm old. Uh, been there, done that. Uh, a lot of things I've already experienced. My friend, you're still here. And it ain't over yet. Uh, as we get into this subject of looking at humility, of course, the reverse side, the pride, you're going to see that God exposes pride not just in the young. God exposes pride in the gray hairs. And it ain't over yet, folks. Pride creeps up at any given time. And so what we're going to be learning is about pride versus humility. And God resists the proud, but gives something special called grace to the humble. I have searched the scriptures a few times and have tried to find anybody that was full of pride, full of arrogance, full of his own ways of doing things, and God uses them. It's just not there. And go ahead and search it out. Try to find somebody that was just absolutely all about themselves, and God used them. And you're not going to find it in the Scriptures. I have yet to find, historically, a proud person used by God to do great things in missions or pastors or evangelism or any way. Now, I've seen a lot of them very proud, love to talk about themselves that failed. A lot of them, even this day and age. Uh, folks, every pastor is different. Every pastor is different in the way they communicate, the way they share. And, uh, and I'm not trying to down the folks. I've, I've seen a lot of guys, and the only thing they like to do is talk about themselves and their victories. And I apologize if, if that's what you like, because I don't like talking about me. I like talking about him. And I like talking about people of character and learn about what is good in them that God used so that we can apply that to ourselves. If there is something that has to be rooted out of every individual, it's got to be cut out, ripped out like a surgeon. It's pride. Because it's not going to come out on its own. Mm -mm. It's got to be a transformation of the mind. So that's why the first couple of verses he talks about begging them. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by that mercies of God, all that God's done in salvation and what we have now in Christ, that we then present our bodies that is a living sacrifice. It's holy and acceptable unto God. And this is just the foundations. This is just the basics. This is, this is where it all begins. And then he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. If there's a characteristic of America, I'm not talking about just the world. If we look at where we live, if there is one characteristic that we are always seeing thrown at us, folks, it's pride. And God says, don't allow that to happen. Have a renewed mind that we will be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to be in God's will. And we can be there. But we can't do it with the world's mind. We have to do it with a renewed mind. And we start thinking of God. The way He does things. The way He thinks. And then we adapt that into our mind and think the way Jesus thinks. And suddenly, everybody's going to start seeing a difference in you. It's going to be changed. Listen to this verse. 2 Timothy 3.2 For those who take notes. This is a subject of the last days. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and unthankful and unholy. Elkhart truth right there, eh? I love a paraphrase. I want to read a paraphrase the way one guy thought of 2 Timothy 3.2. People will absolutely love and adore their own selves. They will absolutely love their money. They are going to be so proud. They're all stuck on themselves. All they do is think about themselves, and therefore they're rude to everybody else because nobody else matters. They're not going to even care about authority. Matter of fact, kids won't even care what their parents think anymore, so I'm not going to obey them. They're going to be unthankful, ungrateful. They won't thank anybody for anything. They deserve everything that's given to them. And they're absolutely without God in their thoughts. Godless. They don't even think about God. There is no God. Why should I be thinking about a God? I am God. I liked the way they put it. Because, boy, that brings the light. And, by the way, uh, we are in the last days of the last days. So here we are, you know. Rapture on everybody, every Christian's brain, where they may get us out of here. We don't, we don't see anything positive uh, really happening. By the way, it has nothing to do with the economy. <laughs> I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about what is going on in the world right now. I mean, it's, you're just waiting for another explosion, you know? We're waiting for something big dynamic to happen on a negative scale. And yet, the Christian as a result of that, has hope. The Christian looks at this as opportunity. Rather than discouragement, it's something that's positive that's going on in our lives. But in amongst of all of that, he tells us that men are going to be lovers of their own being. Lovers of their own selves. Now let me not confuse you in what we're talking about when we deal with humility and we deal with pride. And we're dealing with the pride issue today. In America, um, we would use words like, I am so proud of you. I say that. I might say that to my own kids or, or grandkids. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's not what the Scriptures is dealing with. 
You know what I mean? I, I am glad. I am, you know, we can think of, of, of being uh, uh, swelled up with so much joy as a result of something happening go- good in another person's life. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And I was like, wow, that's exciting. And, and in America, we say, boy, I'm so proud of you that you're doing the right thing. We're looking at good godly characteristics, and we're saying that's a, that's a good thing. And we use that in our day and age, and, and we understand that, but we're not talking about Neither are we talking about confidence. Um, this day and age, sometimes you know, we, we look at uh, how uh, athletes and the world of sports is all through America, Okay. And, and we would teach a kid as a coach, you know, the guys played softball the other day. You know, if you're going up to bat and you think in your mind, I'm never going to hit this ball. I'm never going to hit this ball. I'm never going to hit this ball. I'm going to miss this thing. I'm talking about Dave Single up there trying to bat, you know. <laughs> He's up there trying, I'm never going to hit this thing. I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm not going to do it. You know, that's, that's, that's not, have a seat. You know what I mean? Right? But he doesn't do that way. Mm-mm. He's up there, he goes, I'm going to get a home run. I'm going to get a home run. I'm going to get a home run. You know, it's a confidence in his abilities. Those guns, man. You know, there's a confidence there. We're not talking about having confidence. You know, we're, not, we're not teaching our kids, you know, never be confident in what you're doing. You know, in sports or, or you know, you, you studied hard, you're going to do good on the test. You know, you're going to do okay building confidence. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about, the guy, this cracks me up, you know, the team is losing by 15 points. And a Shogun gets an alley-oop, and he has a slam dunk, and he's going down, yeah, I'm the man. You know what I mean? And, and the guys on the other side are saying, did you see the scoreboard? <laughs> it's like, you're losing, man. It's like, you're not the man. You're losing. Just because you can dunk, but that's the, that's the mindset of, I'm the man because of what I can do, and that's called pride. And that's not too far off of defining pride even within this text. Now let's look at verse 3. He says, I say unto you, now notice this, through the grace. Grace is God giving you and I something that we don't deserve. You didn't earn it. You didn't make it. It's God giving you something, the grace given unto me. Now, I agree with writers that say he's dealing with the gift most likely of preaching the gospel as missionary or apostle sent one. Because if you look down later on in verse number six, he's dealing with the church's gifts. And notice what he says in verse six. Having then gifts differing according to, here it is, the grace that is given to us. So these ministering gifts that are given to you and I are the very graces of God. Abilities. Spiritual talents that you are able to do comes by the grace of God. We'll we'll define a little more. Verse 3 again. To every man, not to some, but to every man that is among you. So here we are reading this great word of God to everybody that's here. And and you need to put your name right here then. Not your wife's. Not your children. Your name goes right here. That every person, Carl Henry, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. 
But here's a reverse of that to think soberly. So we're dealing with the mind and I'm not going to examine myself and think I'm the man, an unreasonable conceit, but rather to think sober-minded, we'll describe this in a minute, and it is according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So now here is this measurement, this, this laying out how much is given. It is given to man by God. You'll notice also the last part of verse 6. It's almost he keeps reiterating the same thing to nail it down, not just for himself, but also for the rest of the church. According to the proportion of faith. So, as we do things, it is regarding the faith that is found in the Word of God, its doctrines, its beliefs, things that we hold fast to. And so all that is regarded in the Word of God, the faith, the beliefs that we have that are established by the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is a measure of that that is given to every man, and therefore we can't say, wow, I am something. Because it's measured out. It's according to what He does. Now let's go back to verse 3. And let's start breaking this down a little bit more. So we've seen the grace, we've seen the gift, as the church is also gifted with individuals to do something, that when we are given something by God, every man is never to think of himself more highly than he ought. We would call that pride, the opposite of humility. Pride defined by Webster is an inordinate self-esteem, an unreasonable conceit of one, one's own superiority in talents, in beauty, in wealth, in accomplishments, in rank, or elevation in office, which manifests or reveals itself in lofty airs distance, reserve, and oft in contempt of others. It's called, I'm better than you. I don't know why church is designed it. I, I, I guess I know why, but honestly, between you and me, I, I, I wish I could be down here preaching. I feel so much better down here. But old school, they raise up, and I think it's so we could see out over and a voice projects and so forth, but honestly, there's this stigma that that this is better than this. That there's an elevation, if you will, because of an office or position, that one is better than the other. Even guys can be guilty of this. Scriptures talks about it. Husbands, love your wives. You know, uh, Likewise, your husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life. You know what he's trying to say? There were men that were actually thinking, I'm more spiritual than you because I'm a man. And he's like, duh. What do, you, what do you mean you think you're better than your wife? Don't you realize that you are heirs together of all of the very graces that come in life? Are men saved a different way? Do they receive a different Holy Spirit? Are their prayers answered in a different way? You know, what is different? In Christ, there is, there is neither male nor female, bond or free, Jew or Gentile. We are all one in Christ. Equality when it comes to the salvation thing. So it's, it's right across the board. The exact same. 
Now, we realize there's positions and offices and, you know, in, in the church, you know, he, he, he designed pastors and deacons and, and so forth, and, and we understand that. I guess what, folks? We're all saved the same way. And so what we have to do is stop and look at what God has equipped or given you in the body to be part of and never think, I'm better than you are. That's like junior high, elementary even. Do you ever think you are better than somebody else? Do you ever wish they would sit down so that you could stand up? You following me? So, let me describe this a little bit more. Now remember, as I continue with this message, that Pastor Carl loves you. Okay? I'm, I'm, I have to beat me up, you know, before I get into our lives and, and metal inside of your lives. So when we think of how... My, my boy, let, me, let me explain. My, my mom, excuse me, mom and dad... They were on a trip with some relatives. And as they were going on this trip with relatives, they were, of course, all in, the, in, the, in this RV, bragging to be Christians, etc. And this is the only vacation that she took with them. Because as she came back, she was so disgruntled, they had zero fun. Because what they would do is they were at restaurants or going down the road, anywhere they could, they would yell out, rude, obnoxious, belittling things to anybody out there that they would see. And these are people in their 50s. Okay? Seriously. This is like, they got a kick out of making fun of people, belittling them, and when I'm belittling, you know, if a person says, I'm belittling you, that makes me better than you, in my own mind. That's pride. Okay? Um, by the way, Christians, if you didn't know this, we shouldn't make fun of people. That's something new maybe for some of you. You thought that was okay. Uh, no, it's not. You know, we make fun of people that maybe have physical handicaps or are incapable of doing certain things, and we start actually thinking we're better than they are. Really? Oh, their color is different. That makes me better than them. Really? Boy, there's the South for you. Oh, I said that, didn't I? I have no time for that. Just because you're white... You think you might be better. Who told you that? It wasn't God. You say, God loves a white man. We're, yeah. Jesus was a Jew. He had like dark complexion, black hair type of thing. Not the Byzantine red hair. Okay? And just because we have something and we're different, then we begin to hate that which is different and look down upon that. That's called pride. Some of you in the world's standard may be more beautiful than another. Okay? It's kind of interesting. I was watching the History Channel years ago, and they were showing this way back tribe. I don't know where it was at exactly, but all of the guys were bean poles about six foot tall. I mean, skinny, no zero muscle, straight arms, you know, straight legs, just bean poles, and they do this all day long. No wonder they were thin. Aerobics, 24-7, you know. <laughs> and that's how, that's how they did their chanting, you know, when they're worshiping. Sounds like the sports fans, doesn't it? <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. There's a whole lot of similarities there. And so all of a sudden they went off and they, they kind of showed all the women who were watching these guys doing this all day. And they were like, 
oh, he's so dreamy, you know? And the guy was, a, the guys were, the thinner, the better. Now, in this day and age, in, our, in America, usually thin is not usually in for the girls, you know? But to them, it was the most handsome thing that could be there, you know? You know, looks outward, guess what? It is what it is. You know, I'm bald. I can't change that. You say, hair for men. <laughs> I understand that. And I know there's ways and there's, you know, things that guys pop on top of their heads and, and all of that. And I understand that. I'm not my, if you have one, bless your heart, it's okay. Confidence is a good thing. You know, that's what you want to do. That's okay. But you know what? It is what it is. And, and for somebody that has and another guy doesn't, guess what? I didn't make or create that. My God did. He created this. And so all of a sudden, when we look at who we are, we begin to have a self-confidence in what God has done in us and what He has created me to be to glorify Him. Because it has nothing to do with the outward. We can't get over that one as Christians. It has nothing to do with the outward. It has nothing to do with your human talents. And that is what we get puffed up with and we get proud about is accomplishments that I do. Listen to the very first verse that in the King James that the word pride is used. Just listen, those who take notes, is found in Leviticus 26.19. God says, I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. In other words, I'm going to break you down. You're not going to be able to do anything. You're not going to be lifted up. It's all going to be heavy. And so I have to break the pride of your power. God today is going to begin, I pray, breaking our pride. It has to be broken. It is taught from little on up. It is the nature that we have. And the Lord wants to break this of us. So, he says, don't think of yourself as though you are something. We are not to overestimate yourself or to think more of yourself than you ought to think. But instead, our judging is by Christian character, not by a rank or wealth, eloquence or function has nothing to do with the outward appearance. So, uh, one person can sing better than another. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, can I help you? Christianity is not American Idol. Okay? Those who watch that. It's not sitting and, oh, they hit, missed this note, and, oh, they hit this note, and, it, oh, that was a good note, or that was, ooh, man, that was sour over there, you know. Because God isn't listening for how well you hit the note. God is actually listening to your heart and your spirit. And whether you are, ah, you know, screaming her out, or you're just acting like you are, God is like, but what's going on right in here? Because that's where we worship Him. And so, you know, we may, we may not have, humanly speaking, the greatest talent, humanly speaking. Because what? 
That's not what music in the Scriptures is all about. Boy, that just ruined everything, didn't it? Because there are a lot of churches that they have to go through certain criterias in order to be able to sing. Now, I'll admit, I, I enjoy when you actually hit the note. It helps the ears. And I understand that. I mean, it, you know, there's certain guys that they stop and say, you know what, as I listen to myself, wow. <laughs> that wasn't there, was it? It's like, no. And so, humility would say, that may not be where my gift is. So, let me listen to those who can. But I can still sing to the Lord. You follow me? Is this making sense to you? Okay. But pride will not allow us to quit. So, God says, you have been given something, and we can never brag and boast in what we have. Some of you have money. Some of us don't. Does that make you better than another because you may be wiser or invested your money differently than others? And so now you have and others may not have. Your 401k has doubled where others have shrunk. Does that make you better than? No. But in the world's way of thinking, ranking and wealth and position is it. And you know what's really fun for me to watch? I'm, I'm, just, teaching, I'm just teaching you today. I love you. But certain people... As soon as they are given a rank or a position, man, it goes to their head and they're beating everybody up with a two by four. Like, what are you doing? You treat people mean just because you have a position or you're heading something up. I think you're supposed to actually still be nice to people. It really helps. And what you just showed was rank went to the head, lifted up with pride, and now you're looking down at people and they become your servants. That's not scriptural, because this is what Jesus did. Give me a basin of water. Let me wash you guys' feet. That's called humility. That's how we serve. If I'm too elementary for you, if you're not, you know, if, you know, if I'm going too slow, just let me know. But folks, we need to hit this. Because if we don't get this busted up and rooted out, then God tells us in Proverbs chapter 16 that pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so God says, I'm going to tear down if it is built up on pride. This is important. By the way, look with me to the Old Testament as an, of, a, of an illustration of this. Look with me to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 28. The Lord here reveals concerning a king. In verse number 12, you'll see him mentioned, the king of Tyre. And there is a twofold, I believe, prophecy concerning this king. It is not no, only the king, but the second fold interpretation is the angel that is mentioned, who is an anointed cherub. And I believe, and some would disagree with me, that's okay. Uh, when they start seeing twofold prophecy, you know, throughout the scriptures, then it'll start making sense to them. But verse 13, the first part, it says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, literally. Remember that in Genesis chapter 3? Okay. So we're dealing with Satan here. The last part of verse number 13 says, In the day that thou wast 
creative. So here we learn that Satan himself was a created being. So what he was, was not because of what he did. He was what God created him to be. But was that enough? I don't think so, the way the text goes, because he says in verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub. He was the number one angel at that time period. He was the one that covereth. I will set thee so. In other words, I've established this position. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. And you'll notice the tense there. He had been there at that position. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. Now notice this. Until sin or iniquity was found in thee. Not in just what was done. The sin was found within the heart, within the spirit of this angelic being, Satan. Verse 16, By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of, the, of, thy, of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. That's Revelation, by the way. Uh, 12. I will destroy thee. O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now notice this, verse 17. This is where we want to see. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom. Now notice the wisdom. By reason of thy brightness. The brilliance. Did that brilliance come from within? No. That came as a result of God anointing him to be this. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. The witness, the outward, will obviously be there even in the future. So, the lifting up because of an outward appearance of beauty. It's hard for us to think of Satan being beautiful, isn't it? When I think of Satan, I think of ugly, destroying, murder, lie, deception, nothing beautiful about them. By the way, Christians, we should not be known for those things either. They're ugly in God's sight. And this is what Satan was before. He was beautiful. The very cherub that all were looking at, and that wasn't enough. As he's looking at his, his outward appearance, and everybody, you know, it's like everybody's like, the attention is right there, and that wasn't enough. And so he says, you know what? Why don't I just take it to the next level? I will be God. And that's where Isaiah 14 comes into place. I will be, I will be. And that's what that horrible thing in the Revelation is. And there will be a day, and if you're not saved, you could see it. When Satan comes in as the Antichrist and establishes himself in God, as God, in the very temple of God in Jerusalem. And they will fall down before him. They will worship him. And the beast, they will take, have no problem with worshiping him and saying, give me the numbers that can be placed on me that I can outwardly show to all. I believe in the beast. I believe in this mark. And there is a holiness. There is a power. This is God. This is the Messiah. And people will fall down before him. And that's what Satan wants. Because of pride. You say, how does that break down to me? Well, even the pastor is told not to be a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he falls into the condemnation of the devil. 
The same thing that caused Satan to fall could cause you and I to fall. The, the time when we're not content with what God has created and we want to become something that we are not, that is because of pride. And God says, don't allow it. And there are even selections of officers, listen to me, based on pride. Folks, I'm still dealing with it. I will deal with this until I die. And I, when I make this next statement, you understand I had to say that first. But I also look for pride in my leadership. And when I see it running, I will talk to you. I have to. And if you say, it's not there, then you'll be out of a job. Ain't going to be on there. Because pride brings destruction. And I'm, any of my men, any of my deacons, anybody, Nathan, can say, preacher, I think it's pride. And I will listen. Because it could be. And so we're to consider one another. We're to do things for one another. Esteem others even better than our own selves, Philippians chapter 2. So we listen to each other. It's not, I'm better than you. You have to do and listen to everything that I'm saying. Uh-uh, it doesn't work out. If you can't listen, if you can't listen to people's judgments and understandings or way of doing things, if nobody else's uh, opinions matter, you are lifted up with pride. And we're going to give you a lot of bullets. Carl's Proverbs of Pride as we go through this series. There are certain things that I have seen, humanly speaking, that tells me they are driven by themselves, not by the Spirit of the Lord. And it can listen, guys, this is going to affect your work. This is going to affect your management. This is going to affect every deacon, this pastor included, future missionaries. You know why people lose it on the mission field? Somebody's lifted up with pride. They won't listen. They won't work together. It's my way or the highway. That doesn't work in ministry. It brings destruction. It spirals down. So let's not allow that to take over in our lives. Let's look at Proverbs 16. Excuse me. Uh, there's another proverb I want to get you to. Uh, Proverbs 21 and verse number 4. And if you haven't noticed it, we'll be in the Proverbs once in a while here. You'll probably want to mark that down. Proverbs 21. Verse 4. And high look, I'm sorry, Proverbs 21, verse 4. And high look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is what? Pride is what? Sin. Say it again. Pride is? Sin. If I have pride in my heart, it is? Sin. If you have pride in your heart, it is? Sin. Does God like sin? Okay. So until we acknowledge that this is wrong, it's like, well, I'm going to, well, you got it. You know, I'm going to, yeah, you're, and you're not going to succeed as a Christian. Until that's rooted out and broken, you're not going to be fully used by God. God doesn't use the proud. He uses the humble. Every time, bar none. He couldn't 
continue to use Satan as the high cherub because of one thing, pride. God will not use this pastor if this ministry is based on pride. Preachers drive me bazooka. I ain't kidding you. They drive me nuts. First, first question is, Dave, what do you know what the first question is? How many are on him? What's your offerings? I don't, like that's based on what spirituality is. If numbers, how many are here or lack of, is based on what spirituality is all about, then Baptists are in big trouble. Most churches are in big trouble. It can't be based on that. Isn't it based on character? In other words, the intelligent question is, are you seeing some lives changing? Are you seeing some people you know, come to know Christ? Are you seeing some people rise up to become missionaries? Now that's something we're going to brag about. Like, man, this is what God's doing because I can't do that. And all of a sudden, these people are yielding to do something for the Lord. Now that's some good stuff right there. Man, I could have a message and a hundred of you people get mad at me like a message like today. And you ain't going to be back next Sunday. Then we won't have to worry about a building program. You know? Listen, but follow me. Could it be that pride, that they want to have numbers, will begin to change the process in which they do ministry in order to achieve a goal that will be self-willed? And if that be the motivation for why we do what we do, then that, God says, in the long run, is going to be destroyed. But if it's built on the foundation of Christ and built upon the pillars of those doctrines of the apostles and those who taught us before, if we build things on the Scripture, that will stand. If it's built on the Lord and not on Carl. You know what I love? This week, I was sick. Got laryngitis. I'll have it again tomorrow. I couldn't talk, man. Last Monday, man, I was shot. I mean, I couldn't talk, couldn't talk through Wednesday. Every time I start talking, I start losing it. So I called Dave, Dave filled in uh, the weekend before, uh, uh, Thursday, Friday. Nate took care of uh, the passion play. You know what I'm sitting at home thinking? Isn't it awesome that things can continue and Carl isn't even around? And guess what? People got saved. The Word of God went out. The ministry, folks, is not built on you. Follow me. I got I to shut down. We got more next week. A mindset of pride would be, okay, I've been doing this ministry for 35, 40 years. And when I'm dead, boy, are they going to miss me. Boy, nobody can do it like me. Would you say that is humility or pride? Folks, when I die, I hope you all don't miss me. Man, I hope the next Sunday is just as the Sunday before. That you are still worshiping God. That you love the Great Commission. You'll love the next preacher just like you love me. That you'll listen to him the whole nine yards. Everything goes in the exact same direction. Because it can't be built on a man. You shouldn't be missed. And if you are missed, then you missed it. You missed what you were here for. It's not about you. It's about you mentoring, getting others involved with what you're doing. You step out of the way, they take over. And then they're going to say, isn't it amazing how they stepped out of the way? Maybe I ought to do the same thing. And then they get somebody and start training them because we're not here for eternity. We're here for just a little season. So let's get somebody and let's train them up 
They get the vision, get going in, in the biblical direction, and then you get going. But pride has everything revolving around you. And that's not biblical. When Paul died, the ministry continued. Even when Jesus died and rose again, the ministry continued. When Elijah was done, Elisha took the mantle and it continued. When Moses died, he had his Joshua that was up on the mount, that was seeing all the things that Moses was seeing coming off the mount, being there and all part of it. That's what we're talking about, folks. We have to empty self so that we can be filled with the Spirit of God. When we are filled with the Spirit of God, we are then going to be thinking the way Christ thinks. We will have the fruit of the Spirit, and we will begin to look at people and self completely different. And then when we see people the way God sees them, we see ourselves the way see God sees us. It changes everything. So before this message about three weeks ago, Carl was sitting down and having a fireside chat with Carl. Did you ever do that? Did you ever talk to yourself and answer yourself? I do it. So I'm thinking, Carl, let's evaluate your life as a Christian. 19 years old and on, on up through. And I started looking at things that I did, patterns that were in my life. I didn't like it. I didn't like it a bit. You know why? I was being real with myself. And sometimes if we only look at the positives, we don't grow. We have to look at the negatives. And guess what Carl saw in his life? Pride. Self selfishness. Many times in, in, my, in my actions. Not as a pastor, but as, as a husband. And as, as a dad. As a human being. So, in this invitation, let's ask God individually to root out our personal pride and let God do an operation, if you will, and begin to cut this out by the roots. Because if you don't, it's going to grow. It's not going to go away. And what you'll find is the rest of our lives, we're going to be rooting out pride and selfishness. And if we take something out, don't we have to replace it with something? So let's replace it then with the humility. Esteeming others better than ourselves. That we are here to serve others. We are here not to look down our noses and have this proud, ugly look, but rather let us look eyeball to eyeball, face to face, so that we can be real. Because that's, that's what this world needs, folks, is a good dose of real Christianity. Father, bless this time. This is your invitation. I pray that you'll use it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.